the Geneva Academy of International Humanitarian Law and Human Rights is an online resource that tracks global conflicts, uprisings, battles, wars. They collate the data on their website and they regularly update it. When I checked on Monday, they were tracking 45 armed conflicts in the Middle East and North Africa, 35 on the African continent, 21 in Asia, 7 in Europe, and 6 in Latin America. It's not a particularly remarkable thing for me to say that war is a persistent problem. There always seem to be pressure points on our planet that push peace out of the picture. As sad as that is, it's actually a helpful perspective for us to bring to the rest of the book of Revelation that we've been looking at this term. Because we're going to see battles and wars, they play out in these remaining chapters. But it's important to note that Revelation is not a roadmap through history. We are not meant to look at the weird and wacky symbols and try to line it all up with different moments in history. Instead, Revelation is about what diagnosing what is wrong with our world and lifting the hood on what is really going on that causes these endless cycles of war and conflict that grip our planet. And that's what's happening when today we meet four characters that you might have heard of before. They've become known as the four horsemen of the apocalypse. Last time we saw Jesus as the lion-hearted lamb who was able to take the scroll that Revelation was written on, open those wax seals that were keeping it shut. And today, as he opens each of those seven seals, we see things unfold that are pretty drastic. The first four seals see these four horsemen emerge. The horses are coloured And it's very similar to the book of Zechariah in the Old Testament. So that book helps us decode the colour coding. The first horse is a white horse. The rider has a bow and a crown. He symbolises a military conqueror because when others see him coming, they wave the white flag of surrender. Horseman number two is a fiery red horse. He's got a huge sword and we're told that he takes peace from the earth. The red symbolises the inevitable bloodshed of these battles. The third horseman rides a black horse and he carries a scale for weighing out wheat and barley. We're told the prices are incredibly high during the wartime. People can't afford it and so the blackness of famine and despair set in. Our last horse is pale green. His name is death. The horse is the colour of corpses, which is the final outcome for many that are caught up in these conflicts. Now, I know it's not a particularly uplifting scene for us to talk about on a Wednesday morning, but it is important to note that we should not be looking into events like the war in Ukraine and saying things like, ah, well, Vladimir Putin must be the black horseman because his conflict is driving up energy prices. No, these are not singular moments in history. They're not significant people in history. Instead, the effects of these four horsemen are felt every single time one of those conflicts unfolds. These horsemen are like horses on a merry-go-round. 
They roll across our globe, stampeding through history, just like the Geneva Academy's data suggests. Right now, there are 114 concurrent armed conflicts in our globe. The horse's hooves hang heavy in the hearts of many right now, and they always have. The question that comes from all of this is, what is Jesus doing? Is he out of control opening these seals and just letting these horsemen unleashed on the world? Is he like a few years ago when that bloke at the Oscars unsealed the wrong envelope and mistakenly said that La La Land had won Best Picture? That's kind of what God's people cry out when Jesus opens the fifth seal. They say, Lord, the one who is holy and true, how long until you judge those who live on the earth and avenge our blood? They kind of feel like Jesus has let the genie out of the bottle here and now he can't seem to rein it all back in. But that's not what's happening. It might seem like an out-of-control situation on the ground as the horror of the horsemen hoof around. But as the sixth seal is opened, we see that all that is unfolding on this merry-go-round of misery is merely Jesus responding justly to the reality of our rejection of him. Remember, Jesus is the lamb that was slain. Slain because of our warring rebellion. We've decided to pursue our own agendas. We've made peace with our sin, but only made war with each other ever since. The four horsemen are us. We are at war within ourselves, with each other, and with Jesus. But Jesus will not let that stand. The sixth seal that he opens brings a fiery earthquake of disaster upon all the kings and nobles, the generals, the rich and powerful, every warrior that's been caught up in creating these conflicts. They know their time is up, and so they cry out to the mountains and the caves that they are hiding in, fall on us, hide us from the face of the one seated on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb, because the great day of their wrath has come, and who can stand? You see, the the symbols of the gods in the ancient world were the sun and the moon and the stars, but in this scene, they just all melt away. The false gods that the warmongers had been serving just vanish. Their security is gone in an instant. It's a lightning war that brings their downfall. And when this judgment falls, we're then taken back up to heaven where we meet more sealed things. We meet people who are sealed. Those who had not rejected Jesus were sealed. They were set aside. The judgment of these seven seals won't fall on them. A heavenly empire is described where John sees a vast multitude from every nation and tribe, people and language, which no one could number, and they're standing before the throne of the Lamb. And John is told that the one that is seated on the throne will shelter them. They will no longer hunger. They will no longer thirst. The sun will no longer strike them, nor will any scorching heat. For the Lamb who is at the centre of the throne will shepherd them. He will guide them to springs of the waters of life. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Jesus draws to his heavenly empire those who have put their trust in him and they will live. Revelation 7 has lists of names of tribes from all over the ancient world being gathered into Jesus' empire for shelter and life. And that would have served as a stark contrast to the war machine of the Roman Empire at the time. 
Rome, too, welcomed people from all over the world into their city. But it was a false shelter. Rome welcomed in migrants because the number of people who died in Rome was greater than the number that were born there. Rome was a city of disease, a malarial city. People would arrive from all over the world without immunity, and many of them would die within a few years of their arrival. And so Rome needed to constantly top up its population. In her TV documentary, Meet the Romans, historian Mary Beard says that Rome is swallowing people. It's a city which consumes people and spews them out dead. This warmongering empire ate its own. It drew them in alive and spat them out dead. But not Jesus' empire. He draws in the faithful dead, those who have been victims of our war-ravaged world, but he fills them with life, his life forever. It's a stark contrast of choices. And when Jesus opens the seventh seal, we're told that there was simply silence in heaven as the reality of the situation set in. In the same way that hearing that there are 114 wars happening right now leaves us with silence because we have no answers about how to solve these problems. Well, so too should the knowledge that one day this merry-go-round of the horsemen will stop. But not because we worked out peace for ourselves but because the peacemaker will work out his judgment and draw to himself those whose warring hearts have found peace in the forgiveness of the lion-hearted lamb.